Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. This is Truth Light, and our show is The Light of Truth. And on the line with me, we have uh, Robert Bowerly, who's going to be joining us as a guest today. Hi, Robert. You with us? I certainly am. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great today. So a nice far? way to start the day. <laughs> a nice way to start the day. So um, I'm going to let you tell us, because the way you worded it was fabulous, uh, the, sort of the topic or the theme of what we'll be talking about today. And uh, so how did you phrase it this morning? Do you remember? Oh, uh, living love as a way of life. I like that. <laughs> All right. So I think that sounds like a great topic. And um, I think we can do an awful lot with that. I think, you know, it's something that sounds easy enough, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> maybe sometimes a challenge. So, um, all right. It so. All right, so that's going to sort of be our theme today. And if you guys would like to call in, or uh, I will go ahead and set up the the chat room too. If you're online, we'll we'll uh, get that going. I'm I'm lagging a little bit behind today because I thought I woke up a half hour earlier than I really did. So um, we'll get the chat room going, and we'll kind of chat with uh, with Robert here online. And if you guys have questions or comments, feel free to call in. It's uh, 347-677-1443. And uh, so I, have, I want to introduce Robert. Uh, he has been on with us before, but in case you happen to miss when he was on, um, Robert was actually one of, one of my teachers, my mentors. Uh, I think I met him when I was about 25, so a long time ago. Do you realize that's almost a quarter of a century, Robert? Oh, my goodness. We're, what, 23 years now? Doesn't, doesn't seem like it. <laughs> No, it really doesn't. So, uh, so you know, I can remember Robert kind of being the one where they said, "Well, she's your problem now." When they were, because <laughs> you know, when I, when I, like I've told you all before, I have done this kind of thing my whole life, and I think that I was just maybe a little egotistical and cocky when, when I found this group of people and had some wonderful teachers. And Robert was was really the main one in Orlando that worked with me and uh, sort of. <clears throat> took care of that ego issue I might have had back then. <laughs> and, yeah, but you also uh, had a real strong uh, energy of a desire to do healing. And yeah, I really wanted to be a service. Yeah, be a service. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I saw that right away. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you know, and and I just learned so much from you all that it's just really very uh, very nice to have you on the show and have you sharing with the people who now are kind of tuning in, um, drawn to that that energy, and and uh, it's you know you have an awful lot to offer. So we're going to let you offer it now. <laughs> so okay. uh, um, well, why you don't you? Opened up... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, you, you go right. You kind of opened up uh, the beginning. Of what I'd like to start with is um, you're talking about you know we met and. And at one point, uh, I guess there was some more awareness in certain areas that I had. And uh, you were there, and you were eager to learn. And so when you have a greater awareness, part of like living love as a way of life is what do you do with that awareness? Do you just do nothing with it and keep on? Or do you judge other people who don't have that awareness, which some people do? Or do you use it to manipulate people to get them to do what you want them to do because you know more about what's going on than they do? Or do you say... You know, I like to help those people to step up to my level and see where they go from there. And that's what I learned early on from some people who were my mentors, and I saw that in you too. And so it was a joy passing whatever I could on and then see where you go, and now you're off and 
doing a lot of your own thing, and it's just wonderful. You know, it's kind of like uh, we all have this as parents, and you know, both Terry and I have grown children, and now I've got okay, so nobody knows that my my other name is Terry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Truth. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so, okay. right. So, so Terry is. I mean, I don't care. It's just most people know me as Truth. So just so oh. you all know, Terry is also my other, like, Earth name, and then Truth is the one that was given to me in my vision quest that I go by here in Sedona. So just to clarify so there wasn't confusion, that's all. So okay. carry on. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, as parents, uh, there's a desire to want to help our children to not be dependent upon us, but to be independent of us, to be able to be able to stand on their own, to be able to put their clothes on, wipe their little bottoms, be able to, you know, tie their shoes, be able to learn how to walk, be able to learn how to ride a bike, be able to learn how to eat at a table with, you know, knife and fork and spoon and all those little things. And so when we go to school, we're out in the realm of other people that, you know, we're more suited to it. We can go out into the world out beyond the home and be successful. And uh, that's part of it, too, because it's like one thing that I was showing a long time ago is that they're like, you could say like the four main loyalties and uh, where you can focus, you know, that sense of love or a sense of, you know, maybe dependency and control. And then the first one is like the area of our personal being, you know, within ourselves and how we work with, you know, making a, a better life for ourselves spiritually, mentally, physically. And then there's... Uh, the next uh, loyalty, second loyalty, would be the people close to us, like our, our family, closest friends, people we consider to be like family. And then uh, the third loyalty would be like people we work with and people we fellowship with, you might say, out where we work and elsewhere. And then out beyond that is a greater sense of community in the world and out beyond. And uh, we can see that on all those different levels uh, happening. And we can see the positive side of people living love as a way of life and passing on things to other people as well as working with them, working with ourselves to build a better and better life. And then also people who don't want to do that or want to do it in a manipulative way to have people dependent or controlled. And uh, so we can see that happening out there in society. We can see it happening close around us. And in a personal way, it's how do we have those thoughts and feelings that have been, been with us, maybe we picked up as small children that are still with us that are limiting, you know, thoughts or limiting tendencies that we have. And that's been the real challenge for me. I know for you too probably, Terry, is, you know, when I can see those things happening, what are they? First defining them clearly, putting it down on paper for me it works, and then looking at, okay, what have I learned from that? What would I rather do differently? How would I rather have that happen for me? And then what can I replace so that can you with give us, habit of thinking? Would you be willing to give us just briefly kind of a um, a situation that you're willing to share about? I know sometimes it's very private, sure. but is there a situation you're willing to share about um, so that we kind of bring it really into, you know, because it's early. People are just waking up. And so oh, sometimes if we if we can kind of give them like a, a what in my life might be, might this be kind of, you know, so just a, a real-life situation so that it brings it more Absolutely. into the, the feeling process rather than theory? Well, one experience for me is I've always had tremendous uh, challenges with procrastination, knowing what I want to do, and then getting up to it, and I always get sidetracked and distracted. And I have, uh, at one point, I uh, went off to uh, the University of Oklahoma, and I had taken architectural drafting and things of that nature in high school and did pretty well with it. My father was an architect, and he showed me how to do drafting. What he used to do with pencils and paper, you know, I don't know if they still do. It's probably all computers <laughs> now. <Autocad>. And uh, <laughs> AutoCADs and stuff like that. But, you know, some people still do use those archaic things, you know. But the point is, I went there and I realized I couldn't handle two-thirds to three-quarters of what architecture was, which was engineering and mathematics. Then there was only about a quarter that was designed, but that's where you spent three-quarters of your time. And I was really terrible at mathematics, so I wound up 
flunking out of the University of Oklahoma after about three semesters. And I left there, and I started thinking, you know, why did I do this? And I realized I was doing it out of loyalty to my father. I wasn't being loyal to myself first. And my father helped me. You know, my father didn't really want me to be an architect. He, he said, well, I thought maybe you could be an architect and be, in ha- be as happy as I was. Because that was his first loyalty. Oh, he loved doing that. And he had been doing that since he, you know, heading towards that ever since he was like in sixth or seventh grade. And so I went with him uh, from the University of Oklahoma, and we went looking around at other colleges and for about a week or so. And he said, you know, I never meant you had to be an architect, uh, but what is it you would really rather be doing? And so I started to think about it, and I, I thought it had to do something with writing and everything. And I got to the small college, and I fell right in with the theater department and was designing, helping design sets and lighting and doing things behind the scenes, a little acting, but mostly behind the scenes. And later on, I got into writing, and I was in the art department, and I really kind of found my niche more in communications. And uh, then fast forward years later, I have ideas for screenplays and things, and I'm still dealing with procrastination on a higher level. And I realize that it's it's kind of like I can feel something, then I can think it through and planify it, and then I have to take action on it. And that's where I get the disconnect. So I've and been coming so up is, with the, is the taking action on it, Showing love for that's, yourself that's by putting into practice your inspiration. We do have so a caller who would like to um, who would sure. like to speak. Let me go ahead and area code eight zero eight. I'm going to go ahead and pull you over so you can join the conversation. And hi, this is Truth. And uh, can you tell us your name? My name is Kuulelani, and I'm just I'm enjoying listening to you guys. And oh, um, and. Um, I'm not sure what I want to ask. I don't. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, did you mean to? Did you mean to to have us come over? Because sometimes people press one and they don't really mean for me to to talk to them, and then I get them, and they're like, "Oh my God, she's talking to me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything you would like to ask since you're here? Is there anything that you would like to add to the living love as a way of life or any questions you have about that since we have you? Or would you like me to just leave you alone and let you listen? Um, I, well, you know, I, I agree with, you know, you got to live love, you got to live love, period, you know, and if you have that mentality, then it all falls into place. Like you may want a purpose and see a purpose, and you have these experiences in life that lead you to a bigger purpose, and you're like, oh, this all makes sense. I went through all this because this is my destiny. And I kind of feel like that in my own personal life. Like I've had a really, I made my life very challenging, let's put it that way. But in the end result, I have this huge vision of what I want to do as far as healing and incorporating two social problems and creating a solution and changing this, Catacall nursing home industry that we call caregiving now. Cause I Fabulous. Like Look at you. Out, really. <laughs> all right. yeah, That's I'm, awesome. I'm all motivated. I right? Love, you, know what's, you know what's really interesting is that, um, so you're calling from Hawaii, yes? Yes. Okay. So um, I thought I recognized the area code. So, well, and the name kind of gave it away. <laughs> but we, uh, <laughs> The the center and my new business, it's all one kind of building complex called Sacred Light of Sedona. Uh, last night we just had uh, Carolyn Ford, who I don't know if you're familiar with the crystal skull energy or not, but uh, Einstein is one of the 13 ancient crystal skulls. And uh, so his keeper and he came last night and did this. Uh, she's she's one of the, I guess, very few keepers of the Huna blessings and prayers. Yeah. So, like, directly from whoever it was that translated it into English was her teacher. And so she came and did this this very powerful Huna blessing of our property and our business and all of this stuff and with Einstein, the ancient crystal skull. And so it's really interesting that somebody from Hawaii would be drawn to the show today. <laughs> I just find that yeah, pretty it's interesting. All in the mono. Yeah, that, that's funny. <laughs> I got chills all over. Yeah, it was a it was a very incredible experience last night, and uh, just such such a blessing. 
And uh, so that's kind of funny that you're calling today. So, <laughs> Well, and, you know, I think that's, you know, Robert, wouldn't you say that when you have, like, a passion and a love for something, it's so much easier mm-hmm. to... Uh, to continue and move through it and take the action. That's really where a lot of people get tripped up is taking the action. And, uh, you know, Steve Jobs Steve Jobs yeah. said, uh, you know, you have to be passionate. If you've got a project you want to take on, you better be passionate and love it or else you're going to quit. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that's yeah. fabulous. And I would love to hear about how it goes just every once in a while, you know, touch base and let us know because it's a huge, that's a huge uh problem i think you know that whole yes, you're right I that whole agree. industry is, is kind of scary and people forget it, you're going to end up there horrible. one day <laughs> you know but it's, and it, I, the real thing that trips me out is they have these really fancy nursing homes and it's still a catacol like if you go right. and you sit in the lunch area you go and sit in the rooms people are getting muscle dysatrophy and looking like polio victims because nobody's touching them. Right. Nobody's doing right. the stretching. Nobody's putting in the extra mm-hmm. that needs to be put in because, A, it's a money-making market and it's not really about the people. And right. that's uh, really the basis of it. And if you can do a way of like training and educating people, especially if you do a bridge network with a high school and a Red Cross and do like a community co-op, and you start well, yeah, bridge networking all those things, then you can start doing like one person goes through the feeders, the bathers, the changers, and they see like ten people instead of seeing right. one person. And you designate right. different tasks, different teams, and try to do it that way. But I don't know why people haven't thought of that earlier. But well, you know what? There's a reason. <laughs> There's a reason you're inspired, and so a hundred percent, I back you in what you're doing. You know, and definitely, like, me message too. me here every once in a while and let me know how things are going. And, you know, uh, if there's, you know, if you need just a little boost of energy here or there to back you in it, just let me know and I'll just send you, you know, 15 minutes a day of, of energy just to back your project and stuff. I'll just do that because it's a good cause, you know. Well, so. thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and pull Robert back over as, or, you know, just as the, the main caller. I'm so glad you joined us today, and I hope you join us again. And you know, definitely you. keep me keep me up to date, and I will try to help fuel your fire because it it is an important thing. So, thank you. All right, thank you so much. All right, Robert. So, isn't well, that neat? I, you know, there are so yeah. many incredible projects out there that people are wanting to do, and people are inspired to do. And there are so many people really they're wanting to live from that place of love. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to, but it's not really something that we talk about or encourage in our society, you know, and so it kind of gets, it's not the thing that gets the focus or the attention or the energy. And so sometimes it's a little hard to figure out how do I get from here, the inspiration point, to the action point and and things actually happening. And so I think we have a lot of people being inspired because there is a lot of love running through, especially now with the shifts in consciousness and all of that. And so, and that's exactly where we were with you when we pulled the caller over, was how do you get to that place of action? So what exactly. have you seen? Because you've, you've had a lot of very interesting experiences in life. And so well, when you think about... about our, go ahead. Uh, our uh, caller here... Um, She's from Hawaii. What was her first name? Oh, heavens. Remember? No. I know. Lelani, I heard him. Our Hawaiian friend. Our Hawaiian friend. Our Hawaiian friend. I like um, that. Yes. It's it's 730 in the morning. Know. Can I remind you here? So, no, oh, I didn't. <laughs> so what, we, what I heard is, like, when I talked about those four loyalties, she's talking about she has that passion for wanting to have this be a better situation. And that's the personal part of it right there. And she picks up that inspiration that, wow, we really could make this better. We could, you know, help these people to have a better quality of life. And a lot of it has to do with quality of life in different areas of life. And uh, now she's got the point where she's got the, the thinking part. The, the inspiration is kind of like the feeling part. You, you get the original passion for it, which hopefully stays, because that's the passion that sometimes can ride you over the, the doldrums and all that. Right. Something of it's the kind heart. of the fuel. And... And the second part is that she's got the uh, ideas of 
potentially some kind of program to put into action, maybe at a small level first uh, you know, experiment with it at the home where she's at and get some backing. And then the action is being able to take that you know, plan, maybe present it to those people at that home and say, why don't we try this? You know, we can try it in one wing or one area here and see how it works and see if we can get this going. Uh, it would be wonderful. I know my mother was in a nursing home uh, a little bit here and there, and she lived in a retirement home uh, the last three or four years of her life. A very nice place, and they had a nice uh, dining room. It wasn't just a cattle call type place. And uh, we had to pay a little bit more for that, but it was worth it. I felt that she got decent care. But I realized one day I showed up when I wasn't supposed to, and she was still in her pajamas and her curlers in her hair, and it was like, you know, 11 o'clock, you know, in the morning. And going, mm. okay. So I went to the nurse, and I realized that they just had so many people that they really couldn't, you know, move forward. And I'm getting, helping everybody get, you know, along. She needed a little bit of help and bathing and all that stuff. And uh, assisted living. And so I went and I shared my concern with them. And after that, I could show up at any time, and they were taking more concern to, you know, just work with her to get going during the day. And I don't know if that was only because now I was coming in and mm-hmm. at odd times. But eventually right. they put one more person on that floor. And so, you know, it does take sharing that concern to be able to move forward. And it sounds like uh, our Hawaiian friend here has that concern, that's for sure. I right. hope she uh, comes up with the ideas to how to work with the people at the facility and, and move forward. That would be great. That well, be and, you know, I think that. that in a lot of cases um, what happens is people forget that, you know, coming from – when you're coming from that place of love, when you're living in that love mm-hmm. space and you're inspired and you want to take action, um, like you're saying, sometimes you, you start with onesies, twosies, and small scale, and somehow people yeah. have the feel that they're not doing anything if it's not something grand. And that's really mm-hmm. not the case because every person we touch, every action we take, every step we take, this is, I think, really important for people to get, is that when you are living in that love energy and that love space, and that's where your actions and inspirations are coming from, every single step you take is almost multiplied uh, in the state of consciousness around you because you're you're emitting almost like a cell phone tower kind of you know you're emitting this not only inspiration of love but living in it and taking action in it and so though it may appear you're only you know reaching a few people at first what you're doing is adding to and tipping the scales in the favor of that uh, love consciousness and so what happens is every step you take makes it easier for somebody else to take a, a step in the same direction who's inspired, who mm. maybe wouldn't be able to take action. And so it begins to build a momentum. If we all can take those little steps, it begins to build momentum not only for us but for the whole uh, consciousness that is that love state. you know. And so it really does kind of add to the momentum for everybody else who wants to take action but doesn't know how. So it's it's something we don't see, but it's there, you know? Exactly. Uh, One thing that's been occurring to me a lot is success. We talk a lot about success in our uh, society, and a lot of people, when you talk about success, they think it all has to do with money. But, I mean, learning how to walk is success. Uh, learning how to do any little thing is success once we learn how to do it. And then we start doing it as a habit and it becomes easier and easier. And like for me, procrastination, my, you know, little level of success there is I can do it 15 minutes a day of that writing and start to make a habit of taking some time and clearing some time from all the clutter and all the other stuff in life. Then I start to build a habit. It's like, oh, it's writing time. i, I got to take some writing time. Boom. And I set time aside. It becomes a habit. And it becomes easier to do. And uh, success is successive. You know, it's like meaning that there's that old saying that goes, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with, with a single step. And then I would right. add to that, and one more and one more, and you keep on <laughs> one step after the other. And eventually right. you get there. I did I did hiking in the mountains sometimes, and, man, it was hard. 
but we, you know, try and just watch the uh, the beautiful scenery and everything. And after a while, you know, on down the, the road, maybe four or five hours, we could see that we were getting towards the top of this, you know, mountain crest or this this ridge, and we could see where we were going down below. And you know, it made it all worthwhile. So, same with canoeing. I did lots and lots of canoeing when I was growing up, and we go all day long. So we learned how to canoe in a very simple way, where you hold the paddle, uh, uh, your arms stretched out to the end and then out to the uh, the blade of the paddle, and you just lean forward, and the momentum drives the paddle down through the water. And right. Most people get in there with the paddle, and they start, you know, paddling. They hold it real close together, their hands, they go, ur, ur, ur. and after about 100 yards, they're about ready to collapse and maybe, you know, lose lunch. So somebody showed us how to paddle and just keep on going one stroke after another, and then you change sides and on the other side, and you can keep on going all the way. Well, and, you know, that's a really, that's kind of a cool analogy because, you know, as you're saying that, it's a minor shift in how you do things. And it's the same thing when when you've got a love or a passion for something and you know what, what you would ultimately like to do to... Express your love, you know, live in that space of love and inspiration. and uh, But then how do you make it happen? How do you, and sometimes it just seems like such a struggle. It just seems mm-hmm. like it's such a big deal. And in reality, all it is is just kind of shifting your perspective and and kind of streamlining things so that, you know, you're able to do it consistently without wearing yourself out. And... uh you know, and then I like the even the sh- when you were talking about shifting sides, like mm-hmm. you know, for me, <clears throat> for me, what I find is that I have to have uh, three things that I'm passionate about in life. For me, three is the magic number. I don't know why, but when I have three different things that I'm passionate about, projects that I love and I want to live from the heart with, um, things go smoothly. I don't get as worn out as if I only have one because. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you're talking about shifting sides, sometimes you can get so caught up. Like when I do only mystical truth, uh, you know, which is my spiritual teachings and, and some different sessions and that kind of thing, um, I I get a little worn out because it's it's just too much on that one, you know, just focusing on that one thing. And so what I have to do, because it's, I don't want it to become a job, a career. Uh, you know, I want it to be my passionate inspiration and living from this place of love for all the people that I touch. So then, you know, I have to have a couple of other things. And so I, you know, like now I'm opening the, the gift baskets and candy bouquets because I I love being a part of the gift giving process and it's fun for me. And so what I do is, you know, the with the candy bouquets, I wrap candy into flowers and it's very pretty. It's very elegant looking, believe it or not. And uh, and so, you know, while I'm home, just kind of hanging out and and doing whatever, I'm wrapping flowers. And so it's not this overwhelming because you know I have to wrap thousands of flowers, thousands of pieces of candy into flowers. And but I do it little by little. Okay, so I come home at night and I do that, or I do it throughout the day when I'm, you know, waiting at the center to do sessions, that kind of thing. So I have my gift business i have mystical truth that is my teachings and and the different videos and different things that we do and then i work with jessica at sacred light of sedona doing readings and that kind of thing and so it's a little lighter than the mystical truth stuff and uh and so it's neat to have those three different places to but they're all places where my heart is full and i love them all and i come from a place of love and inspired by love with every single one of them i find if if I have a couple different directions to express that in, it makes it easier to take action in all the different directions because there's not so much pressure. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. You know, instead it's, well, I should do a little bit of this and I should do a little bit of that. And and it's kind of nice, you know. And so for me, that's it's just like what you're saying. It's adjusting it so that it's not such a struggle and kind of switching sides here and there, <laughs> you know. So uh, it, it seems to work work a lot I'd like for me. To add, add here, um, going back to what our Hawaiian friend, I believe I heard the name Lalani. I think that's maybe her last name. Uh, our Hawaiian friend was talking about in uh, the uh, nursing or, I guess, elder care home, 
uh, first off, she's got her passion for, you know, wanting to heal and helping to create a you know, better quality of life. And she's seen, you know, the thinking part of, you know, what can I do here, things that, you know, could work. And uh, she seems to also understand from what it sounds like a natural part of, I'd say, part of living love as a way of life is that it's a 50-50 thing. She does her part as a therapist. There's only so much she can do. And then the person has to respond and do their part and do the exercises and start to do things. And it's like that with our, with our children. And um, we see that, you know, with ourselves. We can get ideas from other people, but then we have to do our part of taking the action. That's our part, our 50%, right. you might say, of 100%. Right. And we see that and we take it farther out, you know, with uh, our children and people close to us. People at work, you know, when you have people that you work with that won't hold up their end, what do you say? Well, they won't do their 50%. They won't do their part. So the people who do do their part in, in teamwork, you know, those are people that are, you know, really doing their part, you know, what needs to be done. A larger perspective out beyond that, we have programs for people, uh, call them social programs or monetary assistance programs for people in society. Uh, and what we see is that oftentimes people are not given a clear idea of how to do their part. They get a check and they pull a check, as they say, and there's not much beyond that. One experience was my, my ex-wife is from Cuba. And she came over here many years ago and and had a, married a guy from Central America and uh, was over here. And he abandoned her and her, and her child and went back. And so she didn't want to be dependent upon her family. So she thought she'd try welfare. And she got in there, and after a month or so, she began to realize, wow, this is going nowhere. We have a little place to live and a teeny-weeny bit of money out beyond just bare survival. And so what she did is she went out and she got dressed up every morning and she went out and got a job. She spoke pretty good English by that time. And she worked at the front desk of a small hotel. And she did that in order to get the money to be able to afford, you know, uh, first month, last month, and security deposit for an apartment and deposit for, and possibly even first month in some places, for, the, uh, for utilities for her apartment just so she could start and have enough, you know, food, money, and all that for a month. She felt she got there after a few months, and I don't know how many months. And all of a sudden, somebody in the uh, complex, you know, turned her in for welfare fraud. And they took her in front of a judge, and she went in there with her, with her family. And he, she got, you know, finger-wagged at and yelled at about being a, a thief and a fraud, and she was going to have to pay it all back. And she explained why she was doing it, and that there were no real programs at that time, you know, to really help her get beyond that. You were either on welfare, you got a job, you lost it. Well, there was never that step to help people move into, you know, being independent. So she pulled away, and, and her, her parents and her, her cousins who had made it over here said, look, you go ahead and keep the money you made. You get yourself into an apartment, and we'll pay off this welfare thing, and, you know, maybe you can pay it over years, but don't even, don't even worry about it. And I met her maybe five years later, four and a half years later, and she was still in that small apartment that she was working in on her own. And it's interesting that on that larger, that fourth uh, loyalty out in the community in the world, we still haven't quite gotten to realistic points where we can have it where the people who get on the dependency have another step to be able to get off of it. Some There are some programs out there, but they haven't been. Well, there's not many. There aren't and so, many, and I'm, I'm kind of involved and in, uh, passionate about seeing two of those kinds of programs get communicated on a larger scale, that there are things that can work on a larger scale. And so that's people when people, you know, what we've got is uh, a system that is purely functional and intellectual and, and analytical, and there isn't a whole lot of love or passion or inspiration involved in it because I think you're right, when we get on that, that grand scale, when we get on uh, that far from our person, you know, as far as a big scale thing, um, I think the the inspiration and the love seems to get diluted somehow. Mm-hmm. And so you really, you may have a whole lot of people who want to come from a place of love, who want to uh, do something to actually see these people helped and assisted in a manner that's going to be a hand up, not a hand out. But yeah, so they can do again, I think we, we get stymied in that how do we take action on it. 
And so mm-hmm. really I think that and I think that you know that kind of thing can become very discouraging for people who well you know I I want to make a difference. I want to come from a place of love, but it seems pointless. And so I think that then they start to step away from that place of love in every other area of their life or in a lot of other areas of their lives because they're not seeing a way to bring it together and make it happen on that on that bigger scale. And if you look at things from an energetic level, you know, I'd like to kind of take it to that point yeah, uh, when we're talking about this too. On, on a yes. yeah, on an energetic level, if we can keep that love and that inspiration and coming from that that heart space in our day to day life, if we can keep <clears throat> that as our focus, even if we don't know what the action steps are, you know, even if we can't do it on that grand scale. The again, I'm going to say, the more steps we take from that place of love, the uh, the more we affect the greater consciousness, and the more apt we are to see. Okay, how can I make a difference? How can I, you know, help? Where is what program can we put together? And if you put enough grassroots, this is the thing: is people poo-poo the grassroots programs because they think they're not that big, and then. When they do start kind of, well, when they do start a grassroots program, the thing is to not become into the ego, to still come from that place of love, not just from your program, but for all programs. So if all of the grassroots programs can connect, then you've got something pretty huge. So, you know, the thing is that, okay, so we come from this place of love for the people we want to help with the program, right? But we don't necessarily have that place of love for the other people with the other programs because now it becomes, no, I want the funding. I need the funding for my program. So it's an either or us and them kind of thing. And so that's where we we have that disconnect. We're not still coming from that love space in a lot of cases. And so, and I see this in Sedona. Well, in, in Sedona, I see the same thing. You know, you see people who are supposed to be light workers and healers and people who supposedly came there to make a difference and it's completely an us and them kind of thing you know where just think if all the healers in Sedona worked together and it wasn't an us and them and competitive and egotistical thing how much of a difference could we make in this world we could all just sit down in one room and work with the energy of Sedona because that's a powerhouse and we could shift so much in the world but but what happens is somehow we, you know, I think for people who are listening to this, I think what I would encourage them to do is see, okay, when you are in that love space, when you are living from love, how far out does it extend? Like you're talking about the, the different um, aspects of life as you move from your personal to the, you know, your family and then the social and the business and the greater world and that kind of thing. And so where where is the disconnect for living from a place of love for real, for each ooh, one of ooh, us, because I think it's probably different. Me, me, yeah. me. I'm just busting here. You know, you're, you're, you're hitting so many chimes. It's wonderful. Um, what? <laughs> one thing is, uh, we're talking about the energetic level. It, it does start in that personal level. And I've seen it, you know, where I have an idea, and I, I don't quite know how to take it out beyond me, but I'm writing it down, and I have it, you know, designed and whatever. And it's amazing how a friend of mine, I was working on an invention some years ago, and uh, I was at a point where, you know, I knew I needed to find people to help me get it beyond where I was. And this friend of mine kept saying, hey, come on, let's go out for a beer. I'm not much of going out to bars, but he's a good friend. We'll have a beer. We'll talk. That was a little Irish place in Winter Park here. And I went over there, and we're standing up at the bar, and sure enough, on the other side of me, there's this other guy about our age, a little older. He's talking. He's working at uh, Martin Marietta, which is a huge engineering facility that works a lot with the government. And it uh, turns out he does exactly the kind of engineering that would be needed for doing the kind of thing that, I'm, that I was thinking about. Exactly. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, my friend says, hey, come on, let's go out for a beer. So we go out and we go to this place again. And he gets this idea, you know, I'm going to meet this uh, friend of ours, a friend of mine and his wife over at this restaurant in Winter Park. They're having dinner. So we, you know, we traipsed over there and sat down. And turns out he starts talking to the guy, starts talking to his wife. 
she is and manages the office for a large engineering firm that deals with exactly out in the private sector the same kind of engineering that you know would be needed for doing the same kind of thing that I'm doing. It's like here I have the inspiration. I don't know how to carry it on out there because it takes other people to help bring right. it out there because a business is made of, of people. A government is made of people. And it's like that energetic level, it's like we just leave ourselves open to it. And amaze, you know, it's amazing how my inspiration will lead me to a place. doesn't sound like much of anything, but I get there and I meet somebody who is exactly what I need to meet or has the resources or who is impassioned by the same thing I'm impassioned by. There's a, an example on a larger scale. Uh, there's a thing called uh, micro-investing, which started by this one uh, Indian banker who was in a grouping of small banks over in Africa. And he was with the uh, these banks, I guess, from India. And he saw that these people were struggling so horribly, and a lot of them were still in an agrarian society. There wasn't much manufacturing going on, but there's all this land that a lot of people had anywhere from two to five, maybe six acres or whatever, and that they were getting so little out of it. And they were watering their, he would be driving through the countryside, and he would, you know, see they were watering their, their fields by carrying buckets of water, you know, two buckets at a time, you know, and then watering their fields that way, and they could get very little that way. And somebody came to him with an idea, and finally the idea came to him of, what about if we make small loans to these people to get the means to be able to do better. Somebody else comes to the table with an idea for a, an invention that if you, it's like a bicycle, but it pumps. Instead of, you know, like you're pumping your your pedals, it's a pump, and it pumps water. And one pipe goes down to the the, the stream or wherever. The other one goes up to your, uh, your field. And so one person, usually a husband and wife and family team, one person pumps the water, the other one is, you know, spraying it out of plants. The people who got small loans for those, 75 to maybe a little larger one, $250, which sounds like nothing to us, is a massive thing for them. Within a year, they were able to grow 10 times more, 5 to 10 times more, uh, you know, produce and get into the town. They started to actually develop money, and they all wound up paying back these minor little loans ahead of time and took pride in that. And this has now so become then- a movement over in Africa. And I nice. mean, it changed the whole areas. You know, there's a grassroots and other bankers got in on it, and so they had their own bank. And so it's a not-for-very-much-profit bank. It's not like most banks. It does make a profit, but the profit goes back into investing into other people. And the people who work there get a little salary or whatever. But the point is it's very small because it doesn't need to be real big. It doesn't get So they're coming from enough. a place of love rather than a place of profit. And they found a way to make it work in a business model that works over there. Nice. And we're looking for a way to do that here in the United States and other places. And there, I find that when I start talking about that, I, I find people who are really impassionately, you know, passionately you know, involved in looking at that. One other thing, you know, because those people are pulling themselves with that little loan, which they pay back with a tiny bit of interest, they're pulling themselves out of poverty. You know, where sometimes two, three years on down the road, they have a little house pulled up away from the And see, the that's the thing is when we, when we take action, when we take action from a place of love, we, you know, the ego cannot, ego and love really can't coexist. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of neat because when you look at that, it's people working together. It takes, uh, it takes different people doing different things, it's not all just on one person's shoulders, what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. so isn't it interesting that all of these people could come together and and make that happen? Isn't it interesting that America is having such a hard time with it? Because really, yeah. how complicated could it possibly be? You know, we overcomplicate things because of ego here, and I think that's one of the things that's really needing to change uh, in our country and, and probably Western society in general is uh, – is that place of ego of separateness, us and them, and I've got to be, you know, I've got to watch out for myself, take care of yourself first, and, you know, then other people, and, and you know, and what happens is... I mean, is, on one hand... Oh, go ahead. What happens is go people go to one extreme or the other, 
you know. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I do work with a lot of people, especially here in Sedona, <clears throat> um, who who are compassionate. You know, they compassion in all things, and they're coming from a space of love, and that's that's amazing, that's wonderful. They don't have the ego, really, except that they're leaving themselves out, you know. Well, I'm coming from this place of love, and I'm just going to do it all myself, and I'm just going to give it all myself, and, and I'll do everything, and I'll handle everything, and just like because they just want to come from this place of love, but they're not including other people because whatever reason, whatever their reasoning is, and <clears throat> and they they are full of love and compassion. It's not ego uh, as far as we would normally conceive of ego. But the fact is, if you're feeling like you're the only one who can do something and it's all on you to take care of other people, uh, one of the things I learned from from Robert and some of the other teachers I had in the past were, you know, if I feel like, well, I love this group of people and so I'm just going to do everything for them. I think that, you know, and, and a big one is this extreme that people go to on the other direction where it's, you know, instead of the extreme where I've got to take care of me and, and everybody else ought to take care of themselves. Then there's the extreme of, well, I love everybody, and so we should just take care of everybody. We should take care of all the poor, downtrodden people, and we should just give them everything. Everything should just be free. We should just come from a place of love. And while that sounds really good, what I learned from you guys is, because I was kind of hippy-dippy when I met you all, and there's nothing wrong with that if it's not to the extreme. Balance is a really good thing. So what I learned yeah. is that I'm disrespecting those people that I think I have to do everything for. I'm saying to these people that I think we should give everything to for free that I don't think you're able to do anything. I don't think that you have anything to give back in exchange. I am totally disrespecting them. And, and that was never my intention. Yeah. You know, and so finding that balance, you know, and just really understanding that, you know, no, it's not me first and screw everybody else, but it's also not everybody else first and screw me. Also, you know, it's, it's that way of life. balance. It's it's just that balance. Like you're, you know, I think that's one of the things I learned from you is that balance. And so, um, so I just wanted to add that too. You know, so we're down to about just so you know where we are. We're down to about thirteen minutes. Yeah. One last little point I want to make is. Um, I had a cousin who had a business who basically he realized he was earning pretty good money and they had a, a time with their the unions, which I won't go into. I'm not anti-union, but the people there in that local were really milking the situation and they had to pull away and he almost lost the business. And he came back and he said, look, you know, it was basic employees. If we can just go and, you know, do it without the unions, I can give you health care and everything. And so he saw to it that they got good health care. They got profit sharing eventually, and he and he and his wife made plenty of money off of it and his family, and he brought in his own uh, financial advisors to show his people how to have you know a better retirement, how to build more with what what they were earning there, and uh, how to have they had travel perks that they put into the thing. I mean, he really concentrated on seeing these people as a business family. It was a small business; he had maybe 110 people, but that you know the it was about their quality of life and giving them you know different tools and techniques to help you know that quality of life be you know be better than it would be if it was just a normal job and, and there are people who do think that way you know and realize there that are you know, and i yeah. i think it'd be fabulous if we started lending energy to those people instead of instead of uh a lot of what what we lend energy to you know do we talk about those people that we know and talk about the wonderful things they're doing, or do we talk about, I mean, as a society, or do we talk yeah. about what happened on uh, Desperate Housewives or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> we my age. I just don't watch TV anymore. Know, so. like on the news, if it bleeds, it leads. Well, if it bleeds money and it bleeds emotions, it leads too, you know? Oh, those right. awful people, those rip-off artists. Well, okay, what did we learn from those people we could use to make life better, you know? You know, and why and don't we lot. ever talk about the people who are doing – Lovely. I mean, what? That's a fabulous boss yeah. to have who would bring in financial planners and help you learn how to handle things. And you know, yeah. so there's so much good going on out in the world. You know, I think that uh, it's our choice what we tune into, what we plug into. I talk about this a lot on the show. Is you know, our, being aware of what you plug into. You know, energetically, are you? You know, because you can find there's a 
I want to say it's like goodnews.com or something, but there's actually all there kinds of newspapers like yeah, online online. that are strictly good news, and they're strictly about things like, like we're talking about programs and different neat stories. and So you can choose to tap into the good stuff that's going on. You know, and then that becomes your norm, that becomes your perception, and that becomes, then it's easier to take steps because, well, everybody's doing that. You know, the everybody's doing it is strictly based upon which everybody you're looking at. You know, and so if you're not trying to, um, as they say in sales, piss up a rope, (laughs) if you're not trying to swim against the tide and you know if you've got every if you're plugging into all this negative stuff but you want to make a difference in life well then you got to disconnect from all that negative stuff and start finding the people who are making a difference whether you know them or not i know when i was feeling a little like okay i know that there are people out there i know that i i started just plugging into people in history that i knew had made a difference because I wasn't connecting with them in real life for whatever reason, because I was in sales, I was in telemarketing to raise my kids, and you know, probably the most uh, different telemarketer you would have ever gotten on the phone, because my goal was to make you smile, and if you bought something, yay, but <laughs> you know, my goal was to leave you smiling. <laughs> so, yeah, you were um, having fun with it. That's uh, I, you know, I I did my best. It wasn't. I won't say it was fun, but I decided to make it a positive, yeah. and uh, and so. I had to latch on to um, sometimes fictitious movie characters or like Patch Adams. I would watch Patch Adams up to a certain point. You know, I didn't like the point where the girlfriend, you know, became negative, whatever. But um, just and just read about different people in history who made a difference and that kind of thing. And then as I began aligning with that and that became more the norm, then I started meeting more and more people who were starting nonprofits and doing things, grassroots things to make a difference. And so we just have to begin to align our energy with what we would like to see as the norm because everything we can conceive of as being reality is out there. If you can conceive of it, so did somebody else. And so if you're coming from a place of love and if, if you're tuning into the show, I would assume that you probably would like to you know, live your life in love, then you just have to find other people who are doing the same thing. You know, and then that becomes the norm, and then you're no longer swimming upstream. You know, you're swimming with uh, the flow because you just shifted where you're. And, you just shifted your swimming hole. You know. <laughs> and also being able to part of life is there are always obstacles in the river of life. It's there are always going to be challenges and obstacles and problems. It's a matter of living love as a way of life and saying, okay, I can find a way around this. How do I, you know, how do I find the solution around this? And keep on you going. Know, like, and, and last thing to our friend in Hawaii, go for it. Right, <laughs> absolutely. Something. And I really do want to hear from her and see how things are going. And, you know, if other people are doing things that are inspired and that they, they would like some support in their grassroots thing, um, you know, what I will commit to do is I will commit to start a blessing bowl for all of the people who are starting these things and living from a life of love and and uh, and really wanting to embrace that passion that they have within that that is from a genuine place of love, I'll start a blessing bowl for all those people and and I'll work with it twice a week. I'll commit to that. So if you are somebody who wants to uh, be inspired and wants to live from this place of love, and whether you're starting a thing or not, if you just are really wanting to live from that space, message me and let me know to put your name in that bowl. And I will do so. And I'll work with it twice a week for the next six months. And uh, just just because that's my way of coming from a life of love and, and living in my love. And uh, so we do have about six minutes left. Normally we do a meditation. Um, I'm kind of feeling like we'll do that tomorrow. And uh, I know some people get disappointed, but you know what? Yesterday's was so good. You should just go back to the archives and listen to yesterday's again. <laughs> it was actually so good I had to go back and do it. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so with our last six minutes, for you know, okay, so let's just talk about regular everyday people living a regular everyday life. What are some things they can do to make sure that they're coming from this place of love? Or, you know, how how do you bring yourself back to that place of love when you're a little off center? What has worked for you in the past, Robert? Well, one is uh, forgiveness. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and taking back to those four loyalties, forgiveness of myself of, you know, having, feeling like I wasted time, blown opportunities, looking at, looking back at regrets. I started looking at some regrets the other day, and boy, I'll tell you, it started come flowing in, and, and then I ran out of them, and I went, oh, good. Okay, <laughs> those are the main regrets. I can go back over again, and it's like punching bags in the closet. I keep punching on them where I can say, now, those are things I can go back to and I can regroup on if I need to, but, yeah, they're there. Now, what did I learn from each of those? I started going back and looking at those, and, boy, my whole energy changed. And it's so easy to get back into that energy of regret and what did I do wrong. So are and you able to shift those to something that you're grateful for and say thank you to those situations in yourself? Yeah, and because I, I know I learned things from each of these people, or you know, usually it had to do with people, or for when I didn't do something, it gave me that, you know, idea that, you know, I need to really look at uh, my time of, you know, doing my taking action is really, you know, like living love as a way of life for myself. But it really is me loving myself and right. uh, patting myself on the back, giving myself, instead of just candy, it's giving myself time to write, you know, it's something <laughs> that I'm passionate by. So, yeah, nice. I mean, it, it comes down to really simple, but I have to forgive myself sometimes and stop the mental chatter of all the things that I didn't do and it's not going to work and all the doubts and everything and just forgive myself and say, okay, that, that uh, you know, and forgive myself and trust myself. But, okay, I forgive myself from that. What I learned from that this is what I could do better. Now, I'm going to trust myself, just take a leap of faith <clears throat> and trust myself to start moving forward little bit by little bit see what happens. Because <clears throat> when I get writing, all of a sudden, on a certain thing, it's amazing how I bump into people who have more inspiration to help me with the thing that I'm writing on. It's, it's just always there. It's for everybody. That, that kind of thing happens. There are millions of stories like that. Well, and that's the thing is once we align our energy uh, with what it is we desire, it's not so much, you know, the manifestation, they talk manifestation, manifestation. Manifestation, we've done shows on this, is not about bringing something into your life, like conjuring it or something. It's bringing your energy into alignment with that which you would choose to have into your in your life, so that you can you can align with it like a magnet aligns to it, so that you move into that vibration. And when you move into that flow of vibration, then you start. It's just I I tell people it's kind of like if you picture the the colors of the rainbow. If you're hanging out in blue, but what you really need is orange, you know, you pull yourself to that orange. You align yourself with orange. So you're not bringing orange into wherever you were. You're aligning yourself with that vibration. And so then when you look around, all you see is that. It's just like when you think about um, buying a new car or something, and you're like, oh, I like that one. Not many people have that. When I was looking at Elements. And uh, you start noticing them all around you. Yeah. Everywhere. They're <laughs> everywhere, right? And so it's because it's not because there are more elements. It's because you're aligning with that particular, the energy of that car, and now they're everywhere. It's the same thing with money, with opportunity, with positive people, mm-hmm. with healing, with love, with whatever it may be that you desire. Once you bring more of that into your life and you focus on that more, suddenly it's everywhere. Well, you know, the law of attraction, you know, there have been so many people talking about it more and more, which is great. I find it's at least a two-way street where we can attract things to us, and it's also what we're attracted to. Like, you know, right. I get the feeling like, yeah, I go out with this friend, they have a beer, and all of a sudden, yeah, it's not so much the beer, I don't really care about that. It was being with that friend and fellowshipping with him. And through him, I meet somebody else. Boom. Right. It's like if I follow... That and we with just my we're own. just we're just aligning with all of that. Okay, so we are down to like the last minute of the show. I want to thank Robert for being with us. And Robert will be with us about once a month, I believe, uh, like the first Wednesday of the month. We're trying to shoot for. So I really want to give other people the opportunity to learn from him, like I did, and uh, and give him the opportunity for outflow because he does also desire to live from a place of love and. And uh, so we want to share that. And uh, you guys can find me at sacredlightofsedona.com, mysticaltruth.com. Again, that website is kind of under construction. We're tweaking it a whole lot. Uh, But you can call the number on there if you'd like to make an appointment. I do everything by phone. I do life coaching. And uh, I hope to see you all tomorrow. 
thank you very much for joining us. We had a really a really good show today. Thank you very much, Robert. We had a lot of people on the chat who enjoyed it, and uh, I hope that we we helped give people a new perspective on things and hopefully some fuel to inspirations that other people are having. And uh, so we have about 20 seconds. Would you like to say goodbye to our people, Robert? Absolutely, and thank you to our friend from Hawaii for calling in and adding more inspiration. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, everybody have a wonderful day, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks. Let's see. Okay. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.